boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. It's Binge Boys, where we talk about streaming programs and movies. Hi, I'm Hal Rudnick, and across from me on the Zoom is Lon Harris. Hoot hoot, Lon. I think it sounds so appealing, like where it is the program where we talk about films and TV yes. programs. It's like, I mean, it, just telling them what fun. they're getting into. Yeah. Oh, oh, and have and and fun and we're, fun and nice times. A couple of jokey jokesters, folks. It's just going to oh, be fun. Yeah. It's just clowning around. It's not too serious. Oh yeah, it's a, you know what? It's a, it's a it's a goof around. Yeah. <laughs> we're just new boot goofing. Mm-hmm. Straight goofing. Uh, Lon, uh, right off the bat, I want to ask you: Did you uh, watch the CBS All Access show called The Super Bowl? Yes, I did. I not only watched the Super Bowl, but I watched it live on CBS All Access. It worked for oh, me. Yeah. If you tuned in to the pregame show, you had no problem. If you tried to join CBS All Access to watch the Super Bowl, it was down like from around kickoff for about 10, 12 minutes until they restored it. So a lot of yeah, people buddy missed of mine the was beginning. flipping out. He's like, yeah, a lot of what people the missed hell? the beginning. What the hell? <laughs> Also, some of the best ads run right right at the top there. You don't want to miss that. Flat mm-hmm. Matthew. Those people missed Flat Matthew McConaughey. Oh yeah, those Flat Matthew poor was sons fun. of bitches. Yeah, this is uh, this is the worp the worst app malfunction since uh, ESPN Plus dropped during the Conor McGregor Jamie Poirier fight. <laughs> Sounds almost painful for you to get Poirier out. I don't even know if I correctly pronounced his know. last name. All I know is he uh, put Conor McGregor on the canvas in the second round. Lon, uh, any thoughts on the Super Bowl? Uh, no, I mean, not really. Like, I, I will say this, that I feel like Patrick Mahomes may be a different kind of animal than I am, like species-wise, because I can't – He he is able to – He's, he's got, like, flash powers. Like, he can move individual parts of his body and, like, coordinate in a way that I cannot. Like, there are times where he's, like, falling over, and he's able to be like, okay, but before I hit the ground, let me just calculate some aerodynamics and some distance, and I'm just going to, like, throw a football perfectly, like, 20 yards, like, before I fall over. Oh, it's dude's like, a I freak. Dude he, is a freak. He's a, he's amazing. It's But it's not just, like, he's a great athlete. It's like, I, that's, he's like a mutant. Like, I can't, that's not, but, like, I fall over just walking around sometimes. Yeah, but here's a, here's an observation. Uh, you know, you're a great guy and everything, but, like, he's real, he's active, you're more sedentary. First of all, how dare you? But also, <laughs> uh, I could not. The, the implication being that, well, if I trained, I could be like that. And like, that's a fucking load of bullshit. And you know it in a million years. Since if I was you, like a you, child, I, I've known that I don't have like good hand-eye coordination. We're not talking about athleticism. Obviously, I don't have that. But I'm saying as a separate issue, it's a coordination <laughs> thing. It's not even an athleticism thing. We're talking about a guy being, like, knocked over. It's not like he's running No, he's, he's next level for sure. Like, he throws, like, across his body, and he makes throws. Yeah, he makes throws that make other 
uh, professional quarterbacks right. he's look like silly. horizontal and his head is like underneath his arm and he's just like because it's not only just being able to like physically throw it which is I couldn't do impossible but it's like the mental like he like to the presence of mind to like know where you're aiming and calculate it and figure out get the motion right it's like a subtle thing it's oh, great like yeah, it's no. not often that I watch an athlete and I'm like that's very impressive usually it's just like Tall man, dunk ball, good. You know, like, I don't know what I'm watching. None of it makes sense to me. He, he does drills where he's laying on a couch just throwing the ball. He just, like, he looks like, it's like watching Quicksilver. You're like, wait a minute. That's not, I don't, that's effects. I don't think you Yep, do ju- just like that scene uh, in uh, Days of Future Past where he's running around that kitchen. Lon, what'd you think of the weekend's halftime show? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it was fun. It was... It, it took me a while to figure out that it was Jordan Peele's Us inspired. Like, that was a lot of the references. I'm still not sure that sunk in for a lot of people. I'm fairly convinced. Like, the he's lost in the funhouse mirror stuff, and then all the red suits with the bandages stuff. Like, it just looked a lot like Us. It definitely looked a lot like Us, but The weekend has been doing this thing over the past several months or year where he's... Uh, shows up in bandages. Yes, we all then, know about the weekend's bandages. I'm saying that the, the show itself. I mean, not everybody. Everyone, a lot of people on social media were, were like, "What the hell is this?" I think uh, I read like one blog post that was like theorizing that he had crazy plastic surgery. Like that's what the bandages were about, and uh, that mm-hmm. was fun. That was a fun little ride we all went on. But no, I just meant like the aesthetics of the whole show seemed it did to have an be- us vibe. Yeah, seemed to have a an intentional Jordan Peele's Us vibe, which was cool. A movie I enjoyed that I didn't think quite had hit that mainstream level of awareness. My uh, my mom did not quite care for the show, the halftime show, and uh, this is this is what my mom uh, said she wants in a halftime show: pretty girls, fashionable outfits, and good singing. And she didn't feel like it had that. Well, at the weekend's a wonderful singer. I, you may, I mean, you may, the music may not be her vibe, but it's not like he's a bad singer. No, I, I like, uh, I like the weekend's music. I like the halftime show to a point, but I feel like we needed a, a guest star. We needed like um, a, a Rihanna or a Christina Aguilera or someone. Like when to they drop had Missy in. Elliott coming. Like I, in general, in general, I feel like male performers don't bring it to the Super Bowl in the way that that the ladies do. Like it feels like. Like a Lady Gaga or a Beyonce or something always has something massive and it's like this epic thing planned and there's like 80 costume changes and it's got like a theme and it's like it's, it's like about shit and it's like socially relevant and then dudes do it and it's like here's a medley of my six favorite songs and it's like that's it. And like I will say there's one exception to this rule and that is Prince. Prince, Prince genuinely brought... He, he Prince, a one lot. of the great halftime shows of all time. Uh, another good one, def- um, the age-defying Bruce Springsteen uh, had a great halftime show. But a bad Super Bowl commercial this year. I did not – normally I stan all things Bruce, but this – he really poured it on thick with that Super did Bowl Did not commercial. care for the Jeep, the Jeep ad this year. Yeah, no, I did not. Lon, uh, that is our Super Bowl. I'm sure they're delighted that he got a DUI uh, today, like the week of him doing a Jeep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, He's been driving the, uh, his Jeep around drunk. Was he driving first. a Jeep when he got uh, pulled over under the influence? Uh, TBD. We don't know. We don't know. Lon, 
He was on his way. That is our Atlantic Super Bowl wrap-up. Let's go into some other <laughs> streaming news. Official, I know you have a few Finn Super Bowl wrap-up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, let's do some news. Uh, HBO Max announced a whole slate of... I don't, I don't like this term. I'm going to interrupt my own first news story and say this. Adult animation. Like, mm. that's what we say when we mean it's not kids' cartoons. It's like a Rick and Morty it's like a you know it's it's like a show that's aiming for an adult uh, you know it's a BoJack Horseman if you will, but sure. But when you say it like that, like adult animation, it sounds oh, like it's like uh, oh, there's gonna be some titties in this animation. Yeah, it sounds oh, like tentacles are doing things with ladies, and that's not what I mean. So I don't. We need another term that's in between. It doesn't in the sound tush-tush. like. It doesn't sound like porno cartoon, but it's clear that it's not Nick Junior. So whatever that category is, that's where we're living. Lon, you're a connoisseur of porno cartoons, correct? Am I? Sure. Okay. Well, connoisseur, I, I dabble. <laughs> do you ever listen? Do you ever go? Do you ever see one of the greatest phenomenons to me? And I've never actually seen one of these. Are we really? We're going in. We're talking about porn hentai right now. We're going to do it. I, no, I'm just bringing up one thing, and then we'll move on quickly and ashamedly. Well, listen, we will move on quickly and ashamedly, as all people should when they're talking about porno lawn. But uh, have you ever seen, like, like if you've ever been on a porn site, uh, like, they'll have something pop up, and it's like uh, Lois from Family Guy and uh, and Peter Griffin like sure. boning or something. We're all or, we're all familiar like, with yes animated parodies of it's very popular with anime characters. Sure. Yeah. Okay. That's all I'm asking. Um, oh, that was it. You didn't have a. There was that was not going anywhere. No, have I haven't I, have seen, I seen them. It? I've never I've never clicked and paid for a thing like yeah, that. Well, I haven't but, clicked uh, I and want... paid to see it, but sure, I'm like, I know it exists. You could find it. I bet if you went on the the porn hubs, the X videos, some of these free sites, you could probably find some for free. You, I bet okay. you could find some without paying. Hold on, just adding something to my to do list. Adding something to my to do list. You know, if okay, like long. one or two, like the Fern Gully fairy, you're particularly interested in. I don't know your animated tastes. Um, I refer to my privates as the Fern Gully. Yeah. <laughs> Lon, please continue. So, yeah, a, a, adult, adult animation. animation. You know what I mean? I mean, like, it's like a jokey alt comedy show for snarky stoners. Uh, yeah, so HBO's going to well, make a well, bunch okay. of those. Coin a better term. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like Archer. It's not like it's not like X-rated. I didn't ask you to name another one. I said coin a better term. <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's uh, it's a stoner tune. It's a stoner tune. You just coined a better turn. There you go. Nice. Uh, so HBO Max announced a whole slate of stoner tunes. Uh, Clone <laughs> High is going to get two new seasons. Uh, beloved MTV staple, Lord and Miller. Uh, Lord and Miller and Bill Lawrence all coming back, the original creators. Plus, uh, they're bringing back one of the original writers who's going to be the new showrunner. Erica Christensen from... No, uh, Erica Rivinoja. Rivinoja. Uh, one of our original Clone High writers. She's going to be the showrunner now. Uh the other uh, big announcement from this, there were a, a bunch of other shows that are, are talked about in the announcement. Uh, Pete Davidson's going to do a workplace comedy set on Mars. Uh, but the big one is Mindy Kaling is going to uh, star in and produce a show about Velma Dinkley, Velma from the Scooby-Doo gang. But it's like a standalone show 
just about Velma, and we're going to delve into her origins. That's what they said, the origins of Velma. First, I will say, a Pete Davidson workplace comedy that takes place on Mars, that sounds like a real stoner tune. Yeah, right? It's like, I'm, I'm not wrong. I mean, that's who this stuff is for, let's be honest. Yes. <laughs> like, um, that's, we all know. Uh, that one's called, it's called Fired on Mars, the Pete Davidson. Fired on Mars. Oh, Fired Up on Mars. Fire up a fat blunt on Mars. <laughs> ben Harper does about. the song. Uh, and oh, do they, do they make do they make astronaut edibles? <laughs> can an as, can astronauts take edibles in space? I mean, could they? Sure, like that's now 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 you're fat. This is why is this not like a Pauly Shore comedy? Like about can you get high in space? Like I don't. I'm sure. Why couldn't you get high in space? I'm assuming it would. I work mean, the same. we're already high. Like, miles and miles. I mean, but, I can't imagine THC would interact with your biology differently just because you were in space. I don't know. Hmm, I wonder. Because if you're at a high altitude, like if you, like if you get drunk at the Denver airport, you're going to get a little extra drunk. So You know I what? Wonder if- they say that. I've been drunk at pretty high altitudes. And like, yeah, I mean, it's not that noticeable. Like, I don't feel like yeah, that. You- yeah, you 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 uh you start drinking the moment you get on that plane. Oh no, that's I I just mean like I I how I've been drunk in the Andes. All right, like let's Whoa. like let's let's talk about it. Uh, the okay, town of Cusco name dropper. I've I vacationed in the town of Cusco, which is very high up in the Andes mountains, high elevation. Got a little altitude sickness. Also, one night got a little loaded. You've Work been back. drunk at Cusco. I've been high at Costco. <laughs> I only go to high at Costco. Oh hell yeah! Um, so let's uh, shift gears to the, this Mindy Kaling show. She's doing the voice. Yeah, she's going to be Velma. She's going to star as Velma from Scooby Doo. But we're going to explore other areas of Velma's life. She doesn't like. Yes, she solves groovy mysteries, but she doesn't just want to be painted with that brush. Right. Okay. And her origin story is her origin story. I guess it is. Her origin origin story is different from um, Daphne and Fred and uh, the rest of the right. Gang. Well, this is where it gets weird because you already think of them as young people. Yeah. It's not like the Scooby Gang is in their forties, so you don't really no. think of them as having an origin before that. I guess the animated, the recent animated movie Scoob showed a Shaggy and Scooby meeting as a boy and pup. So, oh. I mean, I guess you could go mm-hmm. back that far if you wanted to literally do, like, Scooby-Doo babies, but that's not what this is. I mean, I'm assuming she's going to be roughly the same age as the Velma we've come to know and love, and this is going to be just, like, maybe right before she met up with Fred, Daphne, and the rest of the crew. Gotcha. Uh, will uh, Will Scrappy-Doo be making an appearance? God, let's hope not. I doubt. I don't think even Scooby-Doo is going to be like a reg on this thing. I think this is like its own side. Maybe so like th- season like, three will get some of these beloved other characters. This shit is like Garfield without Garfield. Yeah, it, it's a little weird. It just, here's the thing. As much as we, I think the reason that we now have so much trouble bringing back Scooby-Doo is because, um... Uh, let me think of what I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah, it fucking sucks. Like, 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 like <laughs> Scooby-Doo is bad, and it's the same every time. And, like, I get, look, I get it. We've all grown up with it. Like, I, since we were kids, we know the formula. It's, like, baked into our pop culture. So I get it. But at the same time, it's not good or interesting, and these characters have nothing to them. And that's why it's so hard to reboot. 
I mean, Velma's the most interesting. She like she seemed to be the brainiest of them all. But uh, didn't we already see this show? Isn't it called? Didn't we, didn't we already see this show? It was called Daria. Well, it's it's the, the, but this is what I mean. Like, there's not really a character there. It's like yeah, Fred's the preppy, and Daphne's the cute one, and Velma's the brainy one, and Shaggy's the stoned one, and Scooby's a dog, and that's the friggin' show. And like, well, I guess that's it. Mindy and Kaling is a little bit over and over again. Yeah, I guess she has a little bit more of a clean slate to play with here, so... Right. I mean, I'm sure she has a fun idea, and it's probably like she's solving mysteries or being clever, and, uh, you know, I'm sure it's like it's got its own formula and vibe, and we'll just have to wait and see it. I'm not knocking the new show. I'm just saying, like, I feel like we keep running into this problem. It's like, oh, we should do Scooby-Doo because everybody knows and loves those characters, but it's really just, like, images and an idea. It's not, like, a good property. Yeah. Yeah, uh, agreed. Uh, you know, it. We we know the beats of the thing. They pull the mask off the guy. Oh, you that's meddling right, that's kids! It. It's literally like three beats. Like, hey, gang, looks like another groovy mystery. Walk around. Zoinks! Oh, I'm no, scared. Oh no! Chase that! And then, like, oh, it turns out it's Old Man Withers who owns the abandoned amusement park. Zoinks! It's just like, okay, this is boring. I'm done. Like I don't know why, why do I have to keep remaking this over and over again? It's just like. But oh. who knows? Maybe it'll maybe it'll be a, a kick-ass fun uh, Nancy Drew for a modern age. Nancy Drew for a modern age. Also, they're CW already doing a Nancy Drew show, so we're gonna have multiple well, Nancy Drews for our life, modern. Age. Uh, moving on, CW greenlit a Powerpuff Girls sequel series, but hang on, some big changes. This one live action, not animated, and the girls are now the Powerpuff Twenty Somethings. Uh, and they're upset that they devoted their entire lives to fighting crime. They they feel like they lost out on having childhoods because they were busy being the Powerpuff Girls. So it's a, it's okay, a dark, so, dark and gritty. Yeah, uh, Zack Snyder's Powerpuff Girls. So, so are they? So, but are they still going to be fighting crime, or are they just going to be all emo because their childhoods were stolen from them because they were forced to fight Mojo Jojo? <laughs> Well, I don't know, but right. My sense is that it's going to have to be light on the fantasy action because it's a CW series. So it's not like it's going to be the Powerpuff Girls and they're going to be blowing up the whole city and fighting robots in every episode because it's a live action CW series. It's going to be so, them in an apartment, you know? <laughs> like Yeah, it's Powerpuff Girls by way of Pretty Little Liars. Yeah, it's going to have to be like, it, there's going to have to be a bunch of scenes that like you could shoot in a Vancouver alley. So do with that what you will. Like, you know, we're, we're going to get like it's a black lightning level action at best. That's like top drawer CW. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. It's probably going to be more comedy and the what are they doing now that they're not the Powerpuff Girls. Although, are they going to come up with ways to work in characters like Mojo Jojo? I would bet probably. Yeah, and what was Mojo Jojo's? Didn't he have a little pet monkey or something? He is a monkey. Oh, yeah. What am I? Did he have a pet? Did he have a sidekick? Did Mojo Jojo have a sidekick? Now you're really testing the limits of my Powerpuff knowledge. I remember there's him, and I remember there's like the devil guy who dressed like a ballerina, I think, a villain. We had oh, that's pretty claws. good. That's pretty good. That's basically um, what I remember about the world of Powerpuff Girls. It was after, in fairness to me, I was already like a man. Like, we're now into the, I'm now, I think both of us are like old enough to where we're like 
pop culture has like lapped us at least oh, once yeah. to where the stuff that we were too old for the first time is getting rebooted now. Dude, I consider power like uh, a lot of pop culture, like your pop culture knowledge, is like a junk drawer. And when you get to like you know if you, the, the older you get, you got to keep emptying out that drawer and putting making room for new stuff. And uh, yeah, it's just a big old junk drawer. I refuse to make room for new stuff. So it's like, I, but I I'm now like it's only in the last like five or six years that this is really happening, where it's like stuff that I was already like a jaded older teen or twenty something for when it was new is now back, and so I get the opportunity to be like, fuck that multiple times. Like, Pokemon's the big one. Where I was too old for Pokemon the first time, and now it's just like, you're nostalgic for this thing? It's garbage. Like, it's just, it's it's like twice removed from anything that interests me. Oh, yeah. I it's like a twice-baked potato, but you started with a turd. <laughs> so it's like, well, you got a lot of chives and sour cream on it, but I don't care still. Yeah, it's still a turd. All right, that's enough of that. Next, Redwall. These are these were a series of fantasy novels. When I worked at a bookstore many years ago, these were extremely popular. And they star You worked at a bookstore and a video store. Hold on. I worked at two bookstores and a video store. And a movie wow. theater. Wow. And a telemarketing company. I worked well, at okay, a bunch but, of places. A lot right, of them well, I, I mean, quit I, right I, away. I don't want to go I don't want to go down the whole um young lawn resume, but uh just uh, the the physical media you are, but yes, yes. In uh, in the year two thousand, after I graduated college, I spent a year working at a Barnes and Noble in Irvine, California. Uh, and the Redwall series by Brian Jock, very very popular. It's YA like a, novels. It, yeah, they're for they're for younger readers, and it is like medieval fantasy. But all the characters are anthropomorphic, like mice and moles and rabbits and badgers and woodland woodland creatures. Think woodland mm-hmm. creatures. So Netflix has picked up the rights to all these books. Brian Jack, the, the author, died many years, 2011. So he's, he's been gone for a while. The series is, is over, but uh, Netflix picked up the entire thing and is going to turn it into a franchise. So like movies and TV shows, you name it. Redwall, they're counting on it. Uh, they are going the, all in. This is Yeah, and the, the first film is going to be done. Did you ever see Over the Garden Wall, that Cartoon Network series? It's pretty good. Mm, uh, no. Check no. it out. It's on HBO Max. It's pretty good. Uh, okay. And it is kind of like dark, a little surreal, like a dark fairy tale, but it's like a limited series. Like the whole thing is probably less than two hours. You could watch it in like one What about one The go. Secret of Nim, The Rats of Nim? Like, yeah, chess, yes. Sort of a, a a little bit of a Bluth vibe, sure. So uh, I'm, I guess that's what they're going to kind of bring to these Redwall shows and films, but it's, it should be kind of interesting. So... Uh, and that's like, it's one of those projects that's gotten kicked around for forever. You always hear about, oh, they're going to do a Red Wall movie or a Red Wall series. And it looks like Netflix finally made it happen. Making a big IP out of it, trying to, uh, yeah. It's like, who, who doesn't want to watch mice have a sword fight? I guess people want to see mice have a sword fight, right? I mean, you want to fucking I could be see persuaded. That. I could be persuaded. God damn it. Don't. Don't argue with me on this one. You want to see mice have a fucking sword fight, and now's your chance. Maybe there'll be a fox in there. You don't know. I mean, I, I do like uh, the fox and the hound. Yeah. That, that has nothing to do with anything. Totally. They're friends. They don't have sword fights. Yeah, but, uh, but the, the, the fox does. The fox is freaking Robin Hood. He's all over the place. That, that's not the fox and the hound. That's a totally different movie. How, Wait. Uh, I'm tempted to say you don't know what the hell you're talking about, sir. Wait, what's The Fox and the Hound? The Fox and the Hound is an animated Disney film about a fox and a hound who are friends. 
But the fox is like a Robin Hood type character. It is not. That is a separate film called Robin Hood, in which an what? anthropomorphic fox is Robin Hood. What? <laughs> Completely I'm having... different movies. This is not the same. You know this. Oh, no. What's the phenomenon when you think Sinbad had a genie movie? This is not the Mandela effect. The Mandela effect is when a, lot, a large group of people remember a false piece of history. So, like... There's a, you know, a phenomenon of a lot of people thought that they were the the Berenstein Bears, even though they're the Berenstain Bears. That's like the classic example. Or, yes, the Shazam, Kazam confusion. But, no, nobody but you thinks Robin Hood and Fox and the Hound are the oh, same Oh, yeah, movie. no. Robin Hood is just a, it's just, it's just called Robin Hood. It's called Disney's Robin Hood. Yeah. There's not even a hound in Fox and the Hound. Is you there? stupid in bastard. No. No. What? Little John's a, what, a bear? And uh, the king, no, li- yeah, the, the king is a, is a lion. Right. You know what? I've, I, I've got to uh, You know, cancel this podcast, honestly. Star- I, I, I hope nobody from Starburns is listening to this because we're just like, our credibility is out the goddamn window right now. I know, 1973's Walt Disney Robin Hood is yeah, it's the one oodalotti oodalotti golly what a day it's that one. oh my god my cartoon fox knowledge is in the shit just, just embarrassed I apologize uh, to all listeners uh, about my cartoon my fox knowledge should we have Adam cut this out I'm worried about us you know what listen listen <laughs> I, 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 I'm willing to own my blind spot of cartoon foxes listen. All right. Lillian Hellman's The Little Foxes, totally different. I know it has Fox Force 5, <laughs> not connected. Uh, let's move on. Uh, well, speaking of Netflix, as we always are, former First Lady Michelle Obama is going to star in a new kids' cooking series for Netflix. Uh, she's going to play the owner of a supermarket who teaches her two puppet friends. They want to be chefs. Wa- waffles and mochi. Uh, they want to be chefs, you see. Th- those that's their names waffles yeah. and mochi waffles and mochi is their names uh they are puppets and and mrs obama the friendly lady from the supermarket is going to teach them about cooking and eating healthy you know because she that was her that was her deal as first lady L- let me ask was, you this long like eat eat Why? better and move your fat ass kids but, uh yes let me ask you she gets like six figures per speaking engagement She's got a huge Netflix deal. She's got a, a big book deal. Why is she work? Why is she working? Why is she working at a supermarket? Oh, I, I, I mean, I'm assuming that she's like this is. It's a, it's a fictional character based on Mrs. Obama. I feel like the Mrs. Obama of waffles and mochi world is a. She's, she's acting. That's, that's a performance. Okay, so all right, is there? I don't know if she's playing herself. Like, what was Barack Obama the? 44th president of the United States in the in the universe of this show? In the Waffle and Mochi-verse? I have no idea. Maybe there's a puppet president. Why would you presume we all, in we a just world had of a, puppets... We just had a, we just had a puppet president. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Vladimir yeah. Putin had his hand up, up his ass. We did it, <laughs> Calling <folks>. all the shots. <laughs> we did it. Welcome back to the Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> <laughs> no, if it was the Joe Rogan experience, we'd be talking about how sleepy Biden is. You're, you're right. Welcome back to Chapo Trap House, folks. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, 
so okay the, the whole it was funny to me how when uh, Michelle Obama came out with all these healthy eating initiatives uh, like Fox News would be like why is she telling us why is she telling our kids to be healthier she wants to outlaw your hamburgers if I can't get tater tots in in an elementary school cafeteria, I... no, that that literally was the scare tactic. They're, they want to they want to make cheeseburgers illegal. That was that was what they were saying. Uh, thank God Trump came in and served fast food to our national football champions. N- Nationalized the Big Macs. That was what yes. Trump stood for. Uh, uh, but I did have a question for you, inspired by this house. So now we know. If anybody out there in the world was wondering what kind of Netflix show Michelle Obama was one day going to host, well, now we know. We have our answer. She's going to teach puppets to cook. So my question for you, Hal, <laughs> let's say theoretically Melania Trump, another former first lady, what kind of Netflix show do you think she would be the ideal host? Ooh, I, I, have, I have two ideas, Lon. Oh, I can't two wait to hear from Melania. Okay. Um, one would be a uh, a show co- simply called Be Best, mm-hmm. and it would just be it would be kind of like the Guinness Book of World Records show, or if you remember, like the old like That's Incredible, or uh, or, or just something where it shows mm-hmm. feats of humanity, feats of strength, awesome stuff. And then every once in a while, we'd uh, we'd uh, Melania would come in. She's our host and uh, our hostess, and she'd uh, come in and say Be Best, and <laughs> then we'd it. see another. Another feat of strength. Uh-huh. And wow, he was really be best. They were best. Be best. Yeah, I like it. She's just, you know, just generally inspiring people. People doing the best stuff. Just, yeah. Like, it's like an America's Got Talent, but but unique, you know, customized to like, Melania. Oh, yeah. Like, bring in that Patrick Mahomes and watch him throw a football and hit the target while he's falling. And who wouldn't be motivated by performing feats of strength in front of Melania Trump, the most passionate and engaged audience imaginable? I mean, she is passionate about people being their best. The other, the other show, I don't know if this, I don't know if this show has like a full season arc in it or anything, uh, or it's just a one episode. But it's uh, will the will the real Melania please stand up? And we get Melania along with all of the Melania impersonators that Trump brought along. Oh, all her stand-ins, yeah, yeah, all of her stand-ins, just mm-hmm. like all those Saddam Hussein <laughs> stand-ins. Yeah. Uh, what about a reality show, Melania House, where they just all have to live together? Oh, or too many Melanias? <laughs> like we put thirty Melanias in this house to see what happens when they stop being Melania. And start getting real. Oh, what about this? Melania sex Island. <laughs> sex Island. We have 10 Melanias and 10 Saddam Husseins. And we'll see <laughs> who hooks up. Which <laughs> and what kind of intrigue there is. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, the Devil's Double or whatever. Wasn't that the Devil's Double? Yeah. Yes. Uh, about uh, yes. all the uh, Saddam Hussein <laughs> impersonators. Who was the of... star? Of, what, was the, what was the actor in that? Dominic uh, Dominic no. Cooper. Yeah, that's Dominic, Dominic Cooper. Cooper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. Uh I thought he was really going to blow up after that movie, but He's very good. He's very good. He's good. That. He's good. Um any other thoughts on Melania shows? Oh, yeah. I I had a few. Uh I think the first one uh it's sort of a play on like uh MTV's ridiculousness. Uh, but in this case, it's called I Really Don't Care Do You. We show Melania a variety of videos 
and we see if she cares. Oh, I like that. I Usually like that. I'm thinking, no, you know, like re- refugee children, not going to care. But, you know, maybe occasionally you'd find like guy surfing a crazy big wave. Maybe that would get a reaction out of her. Who knows? Guy getting hit in the nuts with a golf ball. Maybe that would do it. Yep, I'm getting a little bit of a uh, yeah ridiculousness or a little bit of a Tosh.0 kind of vibe from this, for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a che- cheap to produce, also. Uh, the other thing I think would be a big, splashy holiday musical about a bunch of kids who want to celebrate Christmas in the White House, but Grinch First Lady Melania Trump hates Christmas. And I think really something that could bring the whole family together. Uh, you know, like, imagine, like, Kids coming in to see the White House and she's got it set up and it's like all black and everything's like creepy and metallic Dark. like she does. Right, exactly. She have like a or, big or, villain yeah, Or you have song. all those red trees and it looks like Snoke's throne room. Yeah, right, exactly. She's sacrificing Jeff Sessions on an altar in the Rose Garden. <laughs> it's just not Christmassy. And like, I think, you know, like an opportunity for some, for some light family fun. Mm-hmm. I like that too. That that's how that sounds like a great because Netflix has those. They do a, they do those Hollywood. Uh, uh, sorry, ho- holiday. Yeah, specials. they just did Jingle Jangle last year. Big holiday musical with Forrest Whitaker and Keegle Mikey, Michael Key. We weren't doing this show yet, Hal, so I didn't force you to watch that one. But I saw. Oh sure. Um, or we can uh, in in Melania's holiday special. Then we can have a special Hanukkah moment in the middle of it with Jared. <laughs> Jared Kushner Jared's Hanukkah corner where literally they forced him to sit in the corner yes uh, alright so that's it for that one finally last item of news got a little bit more news it's a news heavy week unless you've got more Melania shows I want to hear I mean uh, you know what I'll save them I'll save them Okay, same for next I, I, I don't want to put them out there. I want to pitch these. I want, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make an appointment, and hopefully, I can fly down to Mar-a-Lago and get this, get this cooking. She's gonna need some shit to work on, you know. Like, there's not a lot going on. The Trump TV plans don't seem to be moving forward very quickly. Mm-hmm. All right, last news item. If this is happening in real time. Hashtag Fire Gina Carano is everywhere on Twitter today. She made some. Did you see this tweet about... Uh, yeah, the, the um, comparing uh, Republicans to uh, Holocaust uh, victims. Yes, like right. Comparing the Nazis' treatment of the Jews to the way she's being treated for her political beliefs. A lot of people, understandably, I think, a little upset about that today. So my, my question to you or the story of the day is, what do you think? Do, do we need her for these new the Rebels of the New Republic show or whatever? Do we need her for Mandalorian Season 3? What would you do if you were an uh, old man in charge of Disney? Oh, what would I do? Well, I'm bummed by all this because I've, I've been uh, team uh, Gina Carano for a long time until uh, the, the transphobic stuff and a lot of things started happening. But I, I think uh, Haywire from Steven Soderbergh is an underrated film. It kicks some ass, and I always thought she was Rare cool, Haywire but- shout-out, folks. Not often do you hear – how many podcasts are you going to listen to where you're going to get a Haywire shout-out? No, oh, hell yeah. Uh, I mean, if you, if you haven't seen Haywire, check it out. There's some good stuff. Uh, a great fight with, uh, um, oh, Channing Tatum is in there. Yeah, it's a, a lot of fun stuff in that movie. But uh, now I feel like she ke- it's like she's begging to be uh, fired. And I think this last, th- th- this last uh, tweet where she posted about comparing uh, her plight as a conservative to holocaust era jews come on 
I mean, that's a it's a bridge too far. I'd say, do us all a favor and let's uh, cut her astray, cut her astray. Because listen, there are I think there are room for conservatives or people with different points of view. But when you go making these ham-fisted, insulting comparisons, you know that's a bridge too far. You are offending, like. You're crossing the line. A lot of people, and you know, this is Disney. They, uh, they, it, it is at their discretion, and I think she's crossing a lot of people with uh, some of her this hateful rhetoric about trans people, and now this ham-fisted, clumsy Holocaust comparison. It's like, give me a break already. It's like she's really asking to be fired. So maybe they should grant her wish. Uh, I think it's really fortunate. It's a rare case where it worked out that um, the actor who it turns out in their personal life is fucking terrible uh, is also the worst character on the show. Like that nobody really li- like Cara Dune's boring and sucks anyway. They should just not bring her back because it's not a very good, interesting character. And like, oh, also the actor is is terrible. Well, good. OK, well, then. Decision made. Like, I have no idea why you would possibly keep her around. And, like, they want to do Rangers of the New Republic. Like, that's fine. You've got the the dad from Kim's Convenience. He can be one of the Rangers of the New Republic. Just introduce a few more people. Like, make those new characters. You don't need Cara Dune. Like, she literally stands around in armor and holds a big gun. She emotes like nothing in the whole show. I like I, this a isn't Lorna a hard Dune decision. A Cara Dune. I don't give, give me a, a shit. Lorna Does anybody Dune. really give a shit about Cara Dune? She doesn't really have a personality. Well, I will say I liked the character because I th- I thought she I thought she plays a decent stoic badass. Uh, I I liked her on the show. I, I mean, will like, say that. Look, she looks believable throwing people around. But anybody who is like a mixed martial artist or wrestler will look believable throwing people around. Sure, get Ronda Rousey in there. She, well, uh, no, let's do better. Let's we can. <laughs> she's also do better. What? She, Ronda Rousey, top dog. But she's also a terrible actor. Like she's been in the, she was in the Fet Furious Seven. All right, get Michelle Noons in there. <laughs> I get the the cyborg, Chris Cyborg. Yeah, get at least one we don't know is a bad actor yet. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Pick, let uh, me be surprised when they Are, show up and they're wooden. Lon, I just named like I just rattled off like five or six uh, female MMA stars. Terrific. I mean, for any of them that I'm not already certain is not up to it. Uh, but yeah, uh, she's spewing a lot of toxic bile and it's like, you know what? Now I'm going to think about that every time I see her on the screen. Watching Ronda Rousey is like watching a fish try to act. Where if you were like, okay, fish, you're scared. (laughs) So Kathleen Kennedy, if you're listening, Kathleen Kennedy, give her the axe. It wouldn't even be a hard decision if it was like a great beloved character. But the fact is, it's an easy decision because it's it's a terrible character. (laughs) Drop the hammer, John Favreau. Drop the hammer. All right, let's talk about a couple of things that we watched uh, over the past week or so. Uh, so, uh, yeah, a new film came to Netflix, Malcolm and Marie. Malcolm and Marie on Netflix. We both watched it. Lon? Oh, boy. Uh, I, look, I, 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 
there, there were moments that I thought were interesting mm-hmm. here. I thought there were some nuggets of some stuff that 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 I would have enjoyed. I thought I thought both. There's only two performances in the movie. I thought they were both pretty good. Uh, I thought the black and white cinematography looked pretty slick, and it was like well lit and like it, it had that that sort of. 40s like sumptuous where it, you felt like it could turn into like a hot house melodrama at any time it had like a cool timey aesthetic that i like mm-hmm. uh that's literally everything i liked about this movie i it just yeah. didn't feel like it felt like there was a lot of stuff that that sam levinson the writer director wanted to have people say in a movie but it didn't feel like a movie like it was, like i didn't feel like i got a story out of this i felt like it was it watching like a series of monologues two like people talk about a bunch of different stuff and it never really cohered yeah, the, I, I, I didn't feel like a real connection between these people. Uh, just like you were saying, it did feel like Sam Levinson, who has got the previous relationship with Zendaya from Entourage, where they work amazingly well together. Euphoria. What's that? Euphoria. You, you oh, said Euphoria. Entourage, you meant Euphoria. Yes, my bad. Wrong E HBO show. Um, the one with, I, I, I mentioned the one with E. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna reboot <laughs> Entourage, and we're all very excited. She's the new Vinny Chase, but that yeah, that there aside, you go. that aside, uh, um, and and they're trying to get her what her her Catwoman movie off the ground, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> that's, that's actually but, exactly uh, what they would do. Yes, you know what? Can I just say? Can I step away for a moment? You know who would be a good Johnny drama on the new uh, Zendaya Entourage? You, sir, I feel like you would be perfect. Hey, come on. Thanks. Thanks, Lana. I'll take it. I will take that. That's a, that's a compliment that he's the best character on that show. I'll take it. I know yeah. I'm in. Yeah. Listen, I'm in. I'm not saying you're like Johnny Drama. I say you're like Kevin Dillon. Thank you. No, I'll take the uh, highest praise you could offer. All of actor. the above. I'll take I'll take all of the above. Uh, and I, I appreciate it. But uh, this yeah, it just feels like these a random set of monologues. And Lon, I'm going to say something right now that I don't like to say because uh, I, I I love his dad. I love his dad. Maybe um, perhaps our greatest actor. He's in the conversation. Denzel Washington, greatest actor of our lifetimes. I don't know if John David Washington is a good actor. Uh, I. You know, we we haven't really seen him in that much, but I will say that one of the things we've seen him in is Black Klansman, and he's terrific. So he's very good in that. He's. Very I agree good in that, that in Tenet, I was like, eh, I don't know, but I don't know if that's his fault. He's barely a character. He's literally called protagonist in that movie. Right. I don't know if I'd hold that one against him. And this, just, I don't think this is his fault. I just feel like Malcolm I, is defined entirely by these very strong opinions about filmmaking and film reviews. And like, we really don't know anything else about him. And like, if you defined me by my most passionately held nerd opinion, you know, that might, you might get a weird view of who I am. Sure. I just thought uh, Zendaya uh, acted circles around him in this movie. I thought she had subtlety and levels in uh, throughout the film. And, there, like, there was this one rant that John David Washington went on after he found this movie review, this review of uh, of, of his work. He plays a filmmaker in the movie, and it is one stream of yelling without any like levels to it. And I just, I don't know, I just found it a little bit grating. 
I mean, um, I again, I I don't know if that's his fault. I think that's the that's the movie as written. It's like he's just this ranting guy, and we're. Ca- I mean, look, and like you're catching this director on the night that his biggest film has debuted, and he's waiting for the reviews to come in. So you are getting this like weird perspective on him. I just I just don't think the movie ties all of these threads together. It's like it's about that. But it's also about their relationship and how he sort of based this character on her and how he kind of takes her for granted more generally and about how he sort of judges her over her past. And and they they have these sort of like dark complexities to their relationship from even before the film happened. And like Mm -hmm. but it's also about, you know, like being a black director and how you're seen by white critics and the white media. And it's like it's all of these things and it's more stuff, too. And it's just like, I don't know if it all gets pulled together, like in a play. And it does feel kind of like a play. And in mm-hmm. the, you, you, would, you would expect that, well, the last scene, the last conversation that they have is going to take all of these threads we've been following and like bring it together. And there's going to be a moment. That's the cathartic moment where the play pays off, where you're like, oh, I get the vision. I, I understand what this conversation has been really about. And I kept waiting for it, and the movie keeps teasing you that it's going to... Like, there are a few moments where the characters do a thing I think you should not have characters do if this were, like, that kind of a play, where they actually say, oh, I get what this is all about, which is, like, Mm -hmm. the writer tipping his hat, like, I'm about to tell you what the theme is, but even that would just lead to the next phase of the conversation. Oh, I know what this is really about. You wanted the part for yourself. No, that's not what this is about. Oh, okay. Oh, I know what this is about. It's like, how many times are we going to do this? And you're never going to really get around to what it was really about. Right. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, it was, it's pandemic filmmaking. And I wonder, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like the way you said, it's pandemic filmmaking, folks. Here we go. You know what it is. They 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 made it in, in two weeks up in uh, Caramel, California. And- We're in a room together. Everybody's a little nervous. Pandemic filmmaking. Let's do it. I you know what? I assume the set was very socially distanced and everybody kept it uh, safe. Uh, they, every day when, when she came to set, Zendaya's uh, temperature taken, forehead thermometer. It's pandemic filmmaking. Everybody nervous as, nervous as hell about coughing. Let's get it started. Yeah, it, 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 do, it doesn't quite connect. I will say one more credit to the film that I forgot to mention. Uh, the, we, we follow the entire process of a pot of mac and cheese being cooked and prepared and mm-hmm. she does it properly. No milk, just butter and powder. That's I. You rarely see that recreated on screen, but that is how I make Kraft macaroni and cheese as well. I think that's oh. the preferred method. Quit making me hungry, Lon. Right? Uh, yeah. And the, one last thing: the story here. What he, the movie that these, the fictional character John David Washington's character made. That which we learn early on, and we talk about throughout the film, which is sort of Zendaya's character's life story. It's uh, like the fact that she didn't get any like what the what Zendaya's character surrendered for him to make the film. It's a little frustrating, and I'm mad at the fictional characters. Okay, so maybe I actually, in a roundabout way, since it is evoking something from me because I did get mad at Zendaya and John David Washington's characters for letting themselves fall into what she allowed of her to be done with her story. Maybe, maybe 
because the art is evocative, I might like the movie. Oh, you're flip-flopping. Right here at the end, a flip-flop. It made me, you know what? It did make me feel something. So uh, apologies to John David Washington and Zendaya. I thought the performance was very nice. Although, uh, you know, maybe, I think she could have put on a robe at a certain point, you know? You you had a problem. She was in her own home. Okay, okay. I mean. But she got to put on a robe for you, your delicate sensibilities? I mean, she's she's, she's there just, with her, just her boyfriend. Who gives a shit? I'm I, I'm a little more modest. Oh I, I, boy! I'll, oh jeez! I have passed wh- her house. Why does it always have to be? Oh boy! Oh, it was a little too much skin for Pastor Hal. Why, why wasn't it John David Washington uh, walking around showing off do, the goods? Do, are, are you arguing this was a non-realistic depiction of two people hanging out at like the middle of the night in their own house? Because I don't think it was. I think that's very realistic. I mean. I'm a never nude. Well, hey, all right. Hey, look, listen. <laughs> the, the you know the Hayes Code is back in effect. Uh, look out for Pastor Hal. Uh, listen, I didn't know when you when we decided to watch this. I didn't know I was going to be watching yeah, smut. So there, this this movie does contain suggestive situations. We should have warned people. Malcolm and Marie is on Netflix. You know what? It made me feel something. Yeah, it made me Coming feel something up. too. Bored! Ha ha! Boom! Uh-oh. Roasted! Next movie! Binging the fuck out of shit! So we talked about hashtag fire Gina Carano. Now we're going to talk about hashtag free Britney. The FX Hulu New York Times presents Framing Britney Spears, which... Uh, I found this uh, really enlightening in regards and being years removed, like Lon, earlier you were talking about, you know, how we, you know, know, uh, growing up and being past the age to appreciate Pikachu and everything. So we're, but we're both old enough to have seen Britney Spears' meteoric rise in uh, pop culture. And, and this look back on it, it really is kind of startling that, you know, how she was treated by paparazzi press and the people around her, the people she trusted and cared about. And uh, yeah, how she was really mis- mishandled and mistreated. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a very compelling look back at, I mean, I think the thing that's most troubling and, and upsetting when you're going back and watching it isn't stuff like the paparazzi. Not that it's not horrible, but that I feel like we already know. Like, it's become an infamous thing about how dangerous the paparazzi, especially in the wake of, of Princess Diana. Uh, that's already a headline news story that the paparazzi are out of control and it's dangerous and it's awful and it's dehumanizing for the people that they're targeting. But I think that the thing that I didn't maybe realize until I sat down and watched this particular documentary was how much the media and the way just mainstream media talks about young women and celebrities and pop stars and how, I mean, not that it's great today, but that it really has changed and shifted and going back and seeing these, these examples from the late nineties and the early aughts is, is shocking. Like, and and I was a grown man for this. Like it, it shouldn't be shocking to me, but it still was. There were, there were several moments where, you know, you can't believe how people are so cavalierly talking about this person's mental health and, the, the tragedies that are befalling her. And, you know, like, the, the, she's a real person. And, and I, I you know, like, the, the one that, that stood out to me was Family Feud. There's a clip from an episode of Family Feud. And even the puzzle, even before you get to anything they're actually saying, 
just the writing on the question, the prompt is name of the, you know, we had, we surveyed a hundred people. Yeah. Top five answers on the board, you know, family feud. And it's uh, name something Britney Spears has lost in the last year. So, you know, the answers are her husband, her house, custody of her children, her sanity was one of the answers. Yeah. And it's just like so Low dehumanizing blows. and cruel. Yeah, and no, like, tr- treating Britney like a freaking pinata. Yeah, and I mean, this was not a, a murderer. Or this was not even like a politician or somebody who had done something that that there was a reason for people to hate them. You know, she was a she sang songs. She was a beloved entertainer, and like this is just what we do to, to you know this is how the culture turns on people. Yeah, and the the way she was, and not just her. Like I think, if you take a step back, you see this throughout pop culture. the The way this uh, this young woman was sexualized, and you know, she was her image was you know uh, no longer a girl, but not yet a woman. So it's like dealing with this um, with the thing of burgeoning sexuality. But just from the like, there's this gross clip of Ed McMahon, the former uh, Johnny Carson. Uh, sidekick uh, hosting Star Search, I guess uh, early '90s or something, and asking her, uh, "So do you have a boyfriend? Can I be your boyfriend?" And she was like, literally ten or eleven, and it's yeah, you know, I know it's just oh, it's it's just good natured joking around, but like you see it now in this framework, framing Britney Spears, and it, it's it's just. It's skeezy. It feels bad. And like that just increased as she kept growing. Uh, and, you know, part of it was, I mean, the, they sold an image. You know, the Catholic, I think they knew, knew what they were doing with the Catholic schoolgirl stuff and everything. But, man, the way it was just pounced on by the, the press and everyone. And then the Justin Timberlake relationship and how people wanted to know, did they or didn't they? And uh, yeah, it's what media does. It's what media still does, but it's, yeah, it just leaves a real bad taste. And um, you could see how that would really affect someone. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a very compelling sort of overview of the whole case. That, that was the stuff that stuck out to me was like just the way that she was being, talked about like and I, i'm curious as to my, my sort of last thought of this i'm curious as to whether social media has sort of changed this that that was a time all of this was happening before twitter before facebook before instagram and and it was a world where celebrities were more removed like they were you only got access to them through magazines through these kinds of shows through paparazzi photos they they weren't just accessible through like stuff like TRL like they show some clips of her you know showing up on MTV in the afternoon and like that everything all of your interactions with Britney Spears if you were a fan in that era was mediated it was always like there's Carson Daly and he's going to interview her and maybe I can send in my question but I can't there's no direct access to Britney Spears for me a Britney fan whereas today there is there are these tools where the you know even Britney is on Instagram now and can like write a caption and her fans around the world can read it. And it's direct contact, and so I think that that has changed the way some of these celebrity relationships work. That you couldn't get away with just completely railroading somebody like this 
with that kind of a huge audience today and she wouldn't have some way of reaching people and, and keeping that line of communication open. So it is interesting. Like, I don't, I don't know if that, that necessarily didn't make some kind of positive change just in terms of this side of celebrity culture. Obviously overall social media is horrible and it should, we, we, if I could go back in time and undo it, we probably should. I mean, perhaps, and to that end, Lon, I'm wondering if that extra access and having to feed the beast of social media so much, um, it's absolutely a double-edged sword. I'm sure some people get, you know, we, uh, I hate uh, coming back to this all the time because we, we often do, but the uh, Takashi 69 documentary that we watched, they, um, it's uh, feeding the beast for that clout. So there's a whole dark side well, for, there. Uh, that guy has nothing to say. <laughs> that guy's not a Britney. That guy's just trying to get attention. Like, I, I will say, so uh, I thought Ed McMahon was gross. Matt Lauer, obviously double gross. Uh, uh, Justin Timberlake came out bad. Uh, Britney Spears' father. Did you just make a list of everybody in the Britney documentary you thought was gross? Because we'll be here. No, I want, yes, I'm, I'm listing, uh, it's a li- but I'm going somewhere. Um, uh, her, her, her dad, um, kind of gross, let her go already. Uh, free Britney, but I will say, Britney, if you're listening, don't chew gum during a serious interview. Don't chew gum while you're being interviewed by Diane Sawyer. You're doing it right now. You're this. This is going to be in framing Britney Spears too. They're going to play this clip, and and it'll be like, look at how the media abused her. Thanks you know a lot. what? Then hey, I'll, <laughs> I will die on this hill. Oh. Don't chew gum. Don't chew gum during your Oprah or Barbara Walters or Diane Sawyer interview. I've said this many times before, but I've never meant it this much. You are the new Diane Sawyer. I well, thank you. I, I take that. I thought I was the new Johnny Drama, but I I'll take Diane Sawyer. You're you're like uh, the Johnny Drama mixed with Diane Sawyer. That exact. I also like how. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, the, the Free Britney contingent has sort of a parallel to QAnon because, like, they every like Britney post is like a Q drop. Oh, I thought you were going to be. They were both right all along. Yes. Oh, and and that too, and and, and that too. They. You mean uh, correct? Yes, they're correct. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Latin uh, uh Framing Britney Spears. I also, I just it gave me a newfound uh, appreciation for Britney, and uh, you know, I think Britney's a queen. She's got great music. Toxic's great. Uh, all the old stuff's great. The mid mid range stuff. I want to see. You know what? The pandemic is We're robbing get me off from going to Vegas. If you say stuff like Britney's a queen, that's Britney's a queen. K W E E N, baby. I mean, what? Is, why? Why? Do, do, what do I sound? Do I sound too old? Does it sound weird? Coming it's a little. Out it's a little forced. It's a little like I'd have voted for Britney three times if I could. <laughs> Listen, I'm Bradley Whitford, and Britney is my Obama. That's it. Uh, <laughs> All right. Hey, welcome back to the Yas Queen Boys. We're we're happy to be here. Hmm. Okay. Lon, we both watched Salma Hayek and Owen Wilson in Amazon Prime's Bliss. And, uh, yeah. We got blissed out, man. We got blissed out, man. I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I... Yeah, I I literally just sometimes will text you and be like, hey, man, watch this thing. This guy did a movie in 2011 that I will be honest, I did not really like, uh, called Another Earth with Britt Marling. 
but it was it was intriguing. I, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but it, it like stuck in my head. That one was about she was a teenager. She'd made a tragic mistake and she dreamed of escaping. Uh, and it turns out there was a parallel Earth. There was like a double of Earth in space that astronomers discovered. And so she became fixated on this idea of wanting to like go live on that other Earth instead of our Earth. And eventually she gets a chance to travel there. And it's an interesting movie. But it's kind of like this one in that it takes this sort of elaborate sci-fi premise, but it kind of isn't really that interested in the elaborate sci-fi premise. It's really just using it as a way to like highlight the inner turmoil of the character. And in another Earth, I found it obnoxious the way he was doing that. And I was like, I want to know about this other Earth you're promising me sci-fi. Fucking just give me the sci-fi, Mike Cahill. Don't hold out on me. Right. And I, and I could see how somebody would think that about Bliss, too. Because Bliss is kind of the same way. Where it's like, we meet Owen Wilson, and he's this sad sack, and he's like this depressed, divorced guy. And then we, we kind of introduce this sci-fi premise of he meets Sama Hayek, and she tells him, like, oh, actually, we're both just humans and we're trapped in this computer simulation. And she starts to, like, prove it to him. And again, you're kind of being tantalized with this sci-fi premise, but the movie's not really about that. And it's, it's, it's really about Owen Wilson and what's going on with him and his life and working through some of his issues. I agree. If you go into this movie expecting sci-fi, I think you're going to be sorely disappointed. I, to, to me, the, the sci-fi is... It, is so far down on the totem pole as far as what this film is about. It's, um, I mean, I you know, I don't want to spoil too much, but I found the sci-fi was basically allegory for uh, mental illness and drug addiction. All right, I mean, the, I think- the movie's kind of playing that game that a lot of movies play that I usually hate, which is the, like, is this really happening or is the character just crazy and they think it's happening? And like, you're always being pulled back and forth. Like, well, here's a clue that it might be real. Like, oh, oh, here's a clue that they're just high the whole time. And, and I usually find that to be very unsatisfying. I just don't think it's a cool way to tell a story. You want to feel like in a story you're moving forward, not being pulled back and forth and jerked around. But I actually felt like by the end, Cahill sort of brought me around on this one. I felt like he found a way out that was pretty satisfying to me um, that, that left some of the ambiguity intact. And I don't think we should get any deeper into what happens, but but it still gives you an ending. You you still feel like, you know, I, I saw a story. There's a beginning, middle and end. And I know how this worked out for everybody. And I think that right. that's, that's a hard thing to do. That's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I thought this movie did kind of a clumsy job of going back and forth. I uh, was on the fence, but I found that Owen Wilson and Salma Hayek are likable enough. And this is a this is a very sad film. It, yes, and by yes. the end, the the peek into I, I thought it gave with this allegory an extremely realistic depiction of what it's like what it's like to get kind of lost in the sauce what it's like to get really addicted to something and lose yourself and then lose days and so much time in your life to being controlled by addiction and chasing a high or or and or mental illness and like just seeing Owen Wilson and Salma Hayek and then thinking of 
you know, whether you've had someone in your family or yourself or seen just someone on the street having um, a psychotic break or an episode, I thought there was something that Mike Cahill really tapped into with this allegory that actually really made me appreciate this film by the end. And I found it to be kind of lovely in the stark ugliness of it. Yeah. I was just going to say that it it reminded me a little of 12 Monkeys at the ending, another movie I really like, which is another movie that kind of jerks you around. Like, well, is Bruce Willis just nuts and going out of his mind or is he really jumping back and forth and around in time? Um, yeah. And he like that movie also finds kind of an elegant way to like get you out of it without necessarily answering all of your questions. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. It's an admirable thing to be able to pull off. So, yeah, I ended up liking this a little bit more than I kind of thought. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I found this to be just, a, a you know, at the end of the day, a sad and uh, lovely uh, portrayal of. Yeah. You kind of think it's going to be more of like a. a you know, like a trippy mind fuck sort of thing journey. And then it is not, it is really more a a little bit, a little bit darker, but, but, but worth, worthwhile. I thought. Yeah. Um, with, uh, guest appearance by the science guy, Bill Nye. And did you catch Slavo Zizek? Yes. He was the kind of the hologram. He's like the bearded, Mm -hmm. like it looks kind of like an older me bearded guy pontificating via hologram. Uh, that's Zizek, the great, uh, postmodern philosopher. Tremendous. How many uh, movies have a it, Zizek cameo, folks? I mean, watch it for Zizek alone. Uh, Bliss is on Amazon Prime. And uh, yeah, if, if you want to kind of just, you know, uh, uh, get get lost in your feelings a little bit. If you want to get some, <laughs> some feels, take a look. What? Why are you making faces? <laughs> oh, yes, queen, get lost in the feels. Thanks for listening to BuzzFeed's latest podcast, The Binge Boys. <laughs> Be sure to give us a lol and, I don't know, maybe an OMG. Maybe even a Z-O-M-G. Man, I'm good. You know what? Uh, I, I feel pro- I, I, I feel properly slang-shamed, and uh, I will uh, – uh, I'm going to go over my list of <laughs> words that, I, that are not age-appropriate for me. If this were a video podcast, I would be doing the praise hands emoji right now. (laughs) Uh, You drop this, King. Anyway, Bliss on Amazon Prime is a (laughs) whole mood. Pull it back, Hal. Come on. Regain your composure. A whole mood and uh, (laughs) worth... Worth worth checking out, uh, <laughs> and for for uh, what for reasons we just spoke of. Yeah, it's a bop, Lon. <laughs> we've we've come to the end of the road here. <laughs> We're uh, keeping it one hundred, I would say. Yes, yes, we are. Uh, I want to thank hashtag Owl Nation. What does it mean to be a part of Owl Nation? It's whatever you want it to be. It's an undefined, many splendored thing. And I want to thank the f- hashtag Fire Owl Nation. Yes, Queen Owl Nation, the hooligans. I want to thank the folks at Starburns Audio. And I want to thank our producer, the awesome Adam Macias, who takes care of us week after week. Adam, if you could edit out some of my <laughs> stuff no, that Lon Adam, made don't fun you of. Dare. <laughs> uh, and uh, I want to thank Jason K for giving us some sweet licks at the top of the show. Hell yeah. Lon, tell folks uh, whatever you want them to know. 
Uh, find me on Twitter at L-O-N-S. I post, listen, the fire emoji all the time. You guys are going to love it. Lots of K-pop fan cams. Uh, it's great. Uh, check me out there at L-O-N-S on Twitter. Uh, and also read the Inside Streaming newsletter. I write a newsletter about this stuff five damn days a week. If you don't get enough streaming news from Binge Boys, that's where to go. Inside.com slash streaming. That's where to find it. Thank you, Lon. And uh, you can find me in my feelings, keeping it real, <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram, at Hal Rudnick, H-A-L-R-U-D-N-I-C-K. And I want to appreciate, uh, I want to tell you folks that I appreciate you listening. Go to uh, iTunes and give us a rating if you're feeling it. Um, throw up the big five, the big five stars. I'm Ed McMahon. Give us five stars. Didn't they do a stars on um, Star Search? They did. The rating yeah. of five stars. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was Star Search. And our winner, Sinbad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's it. Remember Sinbad? Nicely big winner done. on Star Search. That's where he got his big break. Fantastic. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch in the fuck out of shit. That's true about Sinbad. That is where Sinbad goes. I, you know, I actually remember that. I remember that. Uh, you know, I, I was absolutely the age to watch Star